Today's Palm Sunday, it's Passion Week, and we're going to look at um, a bit of the Passion story. And I'm going to ask that you stand, one, to wake you up a little bit, kind of move around, um, and, and two, to, to hear the reading of the Gospel um, this morning. This is from Matthew 27. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and elders of the people reached the decision to have Jesus put to death. They bound him, led him away, and turned him over to Pilate, the governor. Jesus was brought before the governor. The governor said, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, that's what you say. But he didn't answer when the chief priests and elders accused him. Then Pilate said, don't you hear the testimony they bring against you? But he didn't answer, not even a single word. So the governor was greatly amazed. It was customary during the festival for the governor to release to the crowd one prisoner, whomever they might choose. At that time, there was a well-known prisoner named Jesus Barabbas. When the crowd had come together, Pilate asked them, Who would you like me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who was called Christ? He knew that the leaders of the people had handed him over because of jealousy. While he was serving as judge, his wife sent this message to him. Leave that righteous man alone. I've suffered much today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and kill Jesus. The governor said, which of the two do you want me to release to you? Barabbas, they replied. Pilate said, then what should I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, crucify him. But he said, why? What wrong has he done? They shouted even louder, crucify him. Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere and that a riot was starting. So he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I'm innocent of this man's blood, he said. It's your problem. All the people replied, let his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus whipped, then handed him over to be crucified. The governor's soldiers took Jesus into the governor's house, and they gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a red military coat on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They put a stick in his right hand. Then they bowed down in front of him and mocked him, saying, Hey, king of the Jews. After they spit on him, they took the stick and struck his head again and again. When they finished mocking him, they stripped him of the military coat and put his own clothes back on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. This is the word of the Lord. God, by your spirit, um, may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts as we explore this passage and the gospel in Matthew, may they be pleasing unto you. Open our, our, our hearts and minds to your spirit among us, through your word. Amen. Amen. Um, this is quite a story, enough for a few people to get up and just leave, it looks like. <laughs> I don't blame you, huh? Um... It's an important story, though, because 
Next week is Easter. And we're going to celebrate Easter. We're going to have people baptized, and we're going to worship, and um, we're going to sing. Um, but Easter is God's yes to this story that we just read. Easter is God's affirmation of the work of Christ on the cross. And really, a lot of what we've been exploring in the Gospel of Matthew. And so we got to know what is this wild story about? What is this intense, R-rated, violent story that we just read all about? Because if we don't know what it's about, we can't celebrate it next week. We just can't. There's a few... Cultural stories, I think, that are a part of the backdrop of that story that we just read that I think we need to be aware of and mindful of. And I think they're stories we can relate to because they're stories that still um, kind of raise their head in our culture um, today. And they're stories, cultural stories that Jesus has talked about earlier in Matthew also. We're going to look at too. The first is this, there's this, this cultural story of retribution at play in, in what we just read. I mean, Jesus has gone around peacefully. He's gone around teaching. He's not raised a hand. Um, and yet here he is being crucified. So often we think, wow, we just, you know, Maybe, maybe we can just kind of, the punishment needs to, to fit the crime, right? And yet, here in this story that we just read, and so often in all of our stories, that's not enough for us. There's this need for retribution, for more. They did this, well, I'll meet them there and I'll raise them this. And that story is alive in this passage, alive in our lives. Um, I think this, there's a cultural story of objectification that is alive in what we just read. Um, where Jesus is being objectified to make a statement to many others. Jesus, his, his, who he is, his life, his story... Um, just like any other human being's life and story, has so much beauty and, and um, importance in it, and yet here are these leaders objectifying him for another purpose. There's a story of exploitation going on in this passage. I, I think Pilate is exploiting these chief priests. Certainly Jesus is being exploited, but I even think Pilate is exploiting these chief priests. I mean, they come and ask for him to crucify Jesus, and he is able in the same breath to wipe his hands of innocence and get what he wants, which is the Roman Empire seeing what happens to someone who who says something against the Roman Empire. Does that make sense? He's exploiting his, these people. 
there's a story of exceptionalism going on in this passage. Exceptionalism is this like deep conviction that somehow a person or a group of people is just better than another group of people. Romans were convinced that they were exceptional. More exceptional than the Jews and, and other people who made up the Roman Empire. And then finally, I think there's a, a story of making enemies. Finding, maybe we call it a story of enmity. Finding our meaning, our identity, by who our enemies are. And Jesus is living, um, demonstrating in this story uh, what it is to live a different way. In the face of all these cultural uh, convictions that are going on. We've seen these stories before. These cultural narratives. Jesus has taught at them before. Um, Craig looked at a passage with us in Matthew around these. Sonia um, looked at the, the remainder of them. They're, they're laid out in Matthew 5 as like these antitheses. Where Jesus says to the people on the mountain um, who are following him, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you, dot, dot, dot. You've heard that it was said, like, don't murder, right? But I say to you, story of retribution. You've heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. Story of objectification. But I say to you, even if you look at a woman. You've heard that it was said, um, <clears throat> you know, don't make a, a false, solemn pledge. But I say to you, let your yes be yes. The story of exploitation. You've heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Like, let's keep things even. Just counter to a story of exceptionalism. But I say to you, turn the other cheek. You've heard, finally, um, that it says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, pray for those who persecute you. You see, there's these narratives, these, these strong cultural stories of the ways that we think the world works. I mean, in our minds, we want to say, no, it doesn't work that way. We don't believe them. 
but we see them all over the place. Um, we see them just as much today as, as any other time. Um, retribution. Justice isn't enough. Vengeance is what's needed. First time we see this is with Pharaoh and Moses, right? Um, Moses, that was an amen. Moses, um, Pharaoh is unable. So the plague comes, right? And it's the waters turned into blood. And Pharaoh is unable to turn the blood back into water. The only thing Pharaoh can do is make more blood. The frogs come, and Pharaoh is unable to get rid of the frogs. All that Pharaoh can do is what? Make more frogs. It's a, it's a narrative of retribution. The justice isn't enough. There, we have to make, make more. This stuff just keeps going. And so chemical, chemical bombs are, are dropped. Um, in an atrocious act in Syria. And we feel like our only option is to drop more bombs. Um, it's poignantly evident today, this story of retribution. I don't have to talk much about the story of objectification in our, in our culture. Um, I have one teenage boy, one who's about to be, and a third who wants to be. Um, and this stuff comes up all over the place. Kind of a funny way it came up this week. We're on a little mini vacation, and it came up as they looked at my beard. Dad, your beard has got all kinds of different colors in it. Dad, there's a lot of gray in your beard. <laughs> and so there's stuff at the counter I can go buy, right? And I can, like, take care of that. <laughs> I can make myself look younger. Um, Ten years younger, maybe. I'd have some work to do up here, maybe. But there's stuff to do there, too, right? Um, because our culture objectifies... And that objectification oftentimes is sexualized. And obviously women have taken the strong brunt of that reality in our, in our culture. So Ari and I are working with our boys, as you all will and do with your kids. How do we counter this narrative of objectification? Uh, exploitation, the art of the deal. Right? We don't want deals where it's even. We certainly don't want deals where we lose out. We want deals where we win. And so we exploit one another. Craig and Alicia just sold me their truck. <laughs> and he ex No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we sat in their living room, and we literally, correct me if I'm wrong, Craig, we felt 
these stories as we talked about how to do this. <coughs> well, want to get a good deal? Want to get a fair deal? How do we do this? Um, as brothers and sisters in Christ, um, gave him a check. He gave me the pink slip. I haven't paid him all the money yet. I could exploit him right now. <laughs> um, we don't have anything. <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> We're trying to let our yes be yes and our no be no. And even as we negotiated that, these, these stories come up. These instincts that are in us. Um, exceptionalism. Our country is built on this narrative. Um, largely, it started that there was an exceptional race. Um, many of us are a part of that race. There's still a strong narrative that we live in an exceptional country. Um, when we speak of casualties of war, we talk about our own. We don't talk about those who have died um, at our hands. I just finished a great memoir by um, Tennessee Coates called Between the World and Me. If you haven't read that, you should. Um, it speaks to this reality of exceptionalism um, around our, our national identity. Um, and and before, before we move off that, to note it's not an out there problem. It's not an out there narrative. It's in every one of us, in our instincts, um, in our guts. Um, and then it's an enmity story. Um, we're, we're shaped by, A, our kind of closest groups, um, our family, kind of sectioned off from everybody else. Um, our friends, our friend group, um, who a lot of times are the same age as us and look like us and think like us, kind of understood um, with other, other people in a, in a different spot. Um, but what that so quickly becomes is that we're, 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 we're not just formed by... The, by Kind of who we are, but by who we're not, and our they become our enemies. Um, and so, the Torah wonderfully sees all these stories and gives, like, hey, you know what? If we give in to these stories, we're gonna all die. We're gonna all just be destroyed. Um, so let's not murder. I like that rule. It's a good rule. Um, we need to limit these stories. Um, 
Let's not objectify, so let's not commit adultery. Okay, good idea. Let's not do that. So we don't objectify people outside of relationship. Um, Let's not exploit one another. So let's make some pledges and let's make some oaths and let's, let's agree on this. These are good things. It curbs our, our instinct towards exploitation. Um, let's not live in a world where we think others are more exceptional than, than, than others. So, okay, an eye for an eye, no matter what, a tooth for a tooth. Like, let's curb this a little bit. Let's be fair. Enmity, let's love our family. Good idea. Love your neighbors, good. Love your, your fellow church members, good. That's good. Um, and then Jesus comes along and he gives these, um, these teachings that name the, the, the story that emphasize the cycle that those stories lead to and offers a different way. Uh, a different way to go about, about this. Um, and Craig touched on this when he, when he talked about some of these. Like, there's, there's a couple ways to look at the Sermon on the Mount, right? There's, there, one is to, like, say, these things are impossible. And so maybe God gave us these so that we can just kind of see our guilt, see how far off we are, and we can just accept the grace of God that we need. That's one way to look at them. The other is to say, these are impossible. <laughs> both, both approaches go with impossible. Or these are like these ideals, and maybe, just maybe, there's a saint among us who could live this way. Um, so let's, let's kind of put these ideal, maybe we'll, we'll hang them up in our house on a, in a frame or something, or we'll tattoo them on our wrist, or, you know, we'll, we'll like, we'll keep them in front of us, but it's too much, I mean, it's too much to really expect. And all, all that, all that does is it kind of goes at this these teachings in a what Dallas Willard might call like a sin management posture like we just got to manage our sin manage you know that we don't get too bad at this stuff and Christians just become a little bit nicer maybe a little bit less vengeful maybe a little less promiscuous or something but I don't think that's what the gospel is about I don't think that's what Jesus is getting at here I don't think that's what Jesus' death and resurrection is saying yes to at the end of all these teachings um, Jesus says, therefore, just as your heavenly Father is complete 
in showing love to everyone, so also you must be complete. Like, to, to think that these are just these ideals out there is to ignore what Jesus says at the very end. Just as your heavenly Father is complete in showing love to everyone, so you, too, must be complete. Um, and Jesus, in the Passion story that I read, demonstrates so much of what he's just taught. These, these, these crazy, challenging, but livable initiatives um, that he gets at. Let's look at a couple of them. Kurt, come here. You, your eye. I just have to invite you up here for this. I wasn't going to, but it's too perfect. <laughs> Is Austin the, the, the... Yes! Oh, it's so good. Alan's chin is split open? So it went, it went, and it wasn't like a shove, like, I don't like you shove. It was like, I want to get the rebound shove. And it was a shove, and then the, the chin went right here. And the chin split open, and like, probably should have got stitches. So you should see the other guy. Come to basketball if you want on a Thursday night. <laughs> so Jesus says, you've heard that it was said an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Um... If people slap you on the right cheek, what do I have? Most people are right-handed. Not everybody. I got lefties in my family, but most people. Uh, for me to get Kurt's right cheek, I got to come this way, right? And it wouldn't do that. Um, it would be painful, right? It's this dismissive hit. It's this exceptionalism. Like, oh, blah. It's a disrespect. And Jesus says, hey, if they do that to you, turn the other cheek also. So if he did that, Kurt did that to me, now what, I can't, I mean, that's a little awkward, right? All of a sudden, I'm here. The only thing I can do is this. And immediately in that moment, what has been demonstrated is the violent cycle that Jesus is trying to expose. If we want to be followers of Christ, thank you. <laughs> if, if a Roman soldier says, hey, give me your coat. Give all of it. Give, every, give, give him your cloak too. You're talking to people who this was their blanket. This was what covered them. Um, and if you think about these times, like nakedness was especially... Awkward, not for the naked one. Think of like Noah, right, and his three sons. They were like ashamed, right? Like, Dad, too much naked, right? <laughs> Give it all to them if they ask for it. Expose this cultural story that's affecting us all. If they say, hey, carry my, you know, whatever, one mile, that's all they could ask for because they were exceptional. Jesus says, go to. Demonstrate that there is a different story. And it's a story of a God who has complete love 
for everyone. It's not a story of exceptionalism. It's not a story of enmity. It's not a story of exploitation and objectification. It's a story of complete love for everyone. What does this look like today? I've told this story before, but it's such a great story of Shane Claiborne being in his in one of his uh, homes that he lived in, um, Philadelphia. Fight breaks out in the neighborhood. What do you do? There's two people fighting. Do you punch one? Do you like get involved? What, what do you do? What's the creative way to stop this vengeance right in your face? As the story goes, he and some of his... Um, housemates had for this purpose taken up juggling and so he ran out of the house and began to juggle right in front of this fight that was going on it's very hard to fight I would imagine when there's someone <laughs> juggling right next to you it's a different way it's a waging peace Jesus was entering into this new story in radical, radical ways. And so these, these narratives that we still deal with today, they reared their head in this passion story as this one lived a different narrative, lived a narrative of a God, his Father, who has complete love for all, and he calls his followers to do the same. We have a tendency to kind of go at this a couple different ways. One, we can go at it like, hey, if we just believe the right stuff, this will play out. If we can just get more people to believe the right stuff, this will, will play out. The other way we can go at this is, hey, if we just plan it and create systems and governments and processes, the right ones, we do justice, we get the right immigration work going and the right immigration council going, like, this will just happen. And we get in this either-or kind of vision of what, what this looks like. And I, I want to suggest to us um, today that for us to, to live in complete love like God is calling us to, for us to be able to turn the cheek, to offer our cloak, to let our yes be yes and our no be no. Um, for us to, to live these challenging... See, here's the deal, right? If you're listening to this and you're like, have a tension going on, like, amen, this is beautiful, and Josh, I gotta go to work on Monday. 
Josh, like, this is the real world. If you're feeling that tension, I think we're hearing it. And this is what I want to suggest. That if we have a tendency to just think, if we believe the right stuff and get other people to read the right stuff, then, then God might be calling us, what does it mean to do justice and to love kindness? And if we have a tendency to think, hey, if we just do justice and work our butt off at it and love kindness, I think maybe God might be inviting us, what does it mean to walk humbly? Not just humbly, but humbly with God. To open ourselves up to the power of God's Spirit that we've sung about and given testament to even this morning. I think that's what's going on in the passion story. Um, Jesus is opening himself up to this crazy different vision of life than these, these stories that are so evident um, even today. The kids, I think, are lining up. Um, and they're going to bring in palm branches today. And as they do that, and as we sing together, Jonathan, you can come up to lead us. About this, this story that, that God says yes to next week. Um, next week's going to be a party. We're going to have baptisms. We're going to sing. The kids, most of the kids will be with us, so the sermon will be short. Amen, right? Um, but we got to remember that next week is God's yes to this, to this new way of life. Um, and it's a challenging counter story that we need to open ourselves up to God's living spirit. It's the only way this stuff makes any sense. So when they come in with the palms, we're going to praise God. A different story. That's what these palms are about. And you're going to sit there with this tension like, holy smokes, I'm, I'm, we are, are professing, praising a different king, a different way of life that I don't even know if I can, I can muster up tomorrow. But what we're going to do is we're going to open ourselves up to God's spirit, a God who shows complete love to us in that tension because we can't do it by ourselves. Amen. I'm going to pray, and then let's start singing, and I think they're probably like all queued up. This is, I didn't have anything to do with this. This is pretty, pretty amazing. Living God, um, we open ourselves to you. We pray that we would be a people who would walk an extra mile, that we would be a people who would turn the other cheek. God, that we would have the courage, and only a courage given to us by you, to live this alternative um, story that you've called us to. God, we confess our participation in these other narratives of exceptionalism and objectification and vengeance and enmity. And we open our lives to you this day. And as these kids walk in with these palm trees, palm branches, we praise you and, and thank you for leading us into something different, something with life 
um, something of you. So prepare us, we pray. In the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.